Hello, and welcome to the Crossway Christian Church podcast. We are a church who wants to practice the way of Jesus together. If we can help you in any way, let us know. And be sure to check out our website at crosswaycc.org. Now let's get back to the podcast. Mark is the most concise of the four gospel authors of Matthew and Mark and Luke, and John. He has this incredible ability to say very concisely in a few short words something that's beautifully poetic or nuanced or that opens up what's going on in the hearts and minds of the people in the stories being told. Mark 10, 32b is no different. You see, it's this short little phrase. It's six words long, and it comes just after Jesus gives these incredibly hard, like, pictures of what it means to follow God, of the first being last and the last being first. If you're not willing to walk away from all that you know and all that you love for God, then it might not be the life for you. And he goes into Mark 10, 32. And after this passage, just after it though, he's talking to them about what's about to happen to him. It says they're walking to Jerusalem. And he explains to them he's going to go into Jerusalem He's going to be taken and accused and beaten, a crown of thorns put on his head, and he's going to die on a cross, but he's going to come back three days later. And so sandwiched in between these things, these hard things for them to hear, Mark 10.32b happens. Mark 10.32b, in these six words, it says this. It says, as they followed, they were afraid. It's like this very beautifully concise six words for the lifestyle of what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? As they followed, they were afraid. It's not as if their fear prevented them from following, because as they followed, they were afraid. It is that their desire to follow was stronger than their fear, You know, they had, Jesus was telling them these very difficult things to hear, and they were sort of overwhelmed by it, and their heads were spinning, but all they knew was to follow him closely. As they followed, they were afraid. It's these first pictures in his his followers' lives where you begin to see them live a cruciform life. That might not be a familiar word. Cruciform literally means in the shape of the cross. Like right now, my arms are cruciform. They are in the shape of the cross. And these people, they had been following Jesus for some time. And Jesus' life had always been marked by what was going to happen, what was happening, or what had happened on the cross. He lived this very literally, like this cross-shaped life. And as these people were following him and his cruciform life, his life that was shaped by the cross, they too, you see in this passage, were beginning to live a cross-shaped, cruciform life. You see, Good Friday is this invitation to you and to me to step back from our lives and look at them and say, how is my life being shaped by the cross? Good Friday is this invitation to a cruciform life. You see, our lives are shaped by what happened on the cross 
and our lives are shaped into what happened on the cross. Our lives are shaped by what happened to the cross and into what happened on the cross. That's what it means to live a cruciform life. Let's take that first phrase first. Our lives are shaped by what happened on the cross. You see, on the cross, Jesus says seven specific different things. There are seven different last famous sayings of Jesus. Some of them are sort of like familial commands. Hey, that's my mom. Take care of her. Others are observations. He responds to people and things happening around him. But the one that has always resonated most powerfully with me is the second to last one. Not the last one, but the second to last one. It's very, very short. It's three words. In John 19.30b, it says, it is finished. Now, John 19.30b raises more questions than it answers. Namely, and most obviously, what is the it that is finished? Or maybe you're like, all right, well, it is the cross experience. Well, actually, that's not finished till later when he says, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. And then he gave up the ghost. So the cross, Good Friday, Passion Week experience wasn't finished until then. So maybe you're saying, all right, maybe it's his ministry is finished right now. Well, some of his most powerful equipping ministry happened once he comes back. So it's not his ministry. So maybe it's his life. No. Again, his life is going to go on for a few more moments until he gives up his spirit to his father. So then what is the it? What is the it that is finished? It is defined by what he is doing on the cross. You see, on the cross, in that moment, he becomes everything that you and I have ever done that was wrong or self-destructive or outside of God's will or harmful to someone else. Like in that moment, Jesus became a murderer, a thief, an arsonist, a rapist, a liar, a violent person, he took on to himself everything that had ever been done, every sin and every wrong that had ever been done. And he takes them from you and he takes them from me and he sets us free. So in that moment, what he's saying, it is finished. It is all of the wrong that you've ever done, all of the sin you've ever committed, all the sin I've ever committed. So it is the way that our past sometimes feels like it still defines us. It is the shameful things we've done when no one's looking and the way that we always carry that shame. It is the way that we are enslaved to sin. You know, maybe even some of those seven deadly sins we've been talking about for the last couple months, like the way that these things, they're ever present in our life and we can't shake it, we can't get past it. And we're like, man, like I just wish I could get past this thing. It feels like it's there and it defines my life. It is finished. It is that is the power of slavery of those sins in our life. It is finished is where you and I were set free. It is finished is our ability to get past our past. It is finished is our ability to live life to the full, life abundance, life marked by the grace and mercy and love of God. It is a life lived for ourselves. This is what I mean when I say our lives are shaped by what happened on the cross. Our life was made new by what happened on the cross when he says, it is finished. It's three little words. 
But those three little words set us free forever, aligned our lives with God, forever, made us new, forever. Yes, Easter is coming in a couple days, and the pretty dresses and the egg hunts, but first, before that is possible, it is finished. It is your invitation to moving past your past and to a life abundant. Your life and mine is shaped by what happened on the cross. Secondly, their lives are shaped into what happened on the cross. See, a few short hours before this happens, before these cross moments happen, Jesus is by himself. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asks his best friends to be with him and pray with him for a few moments. And then they fell asleep. And in those quiet moments, in Luke twenty two forty two, he says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He's looking at what he's about to go through. The shame and the ridicule and the crown of thorns and the cross and the metal spikes. He says, man, I don't want that. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want it. But not my will, yours be done. He's, you know, it's a sense where he's feeling a little overwhelmed by it all, apprehensive by what he's about to experience, which makes all the sense in the world because he was fully man and fully God. And so he was going to experience this just like you or I would have. And so he's there, and he says, not my will, but yours be done. He doesn't want to go through it, but he knows that he can't do without it. He doesn't want to go through those things, but he can't do without those things. Because what those things represent is they represent him who is creator and sustainer of the world being overpowered by and giving himself over to a few Roman soldiers, a hammer, and a few metal spikes. You know, yes, he is all-powerful, and he could have called down 10,000 angels to set himself free and to battle all the forces the earth possibly could have mustered. And he allowed himself to be ridiculed and mocked by passers-by. You see, this, this Good Friday story, this gospel story, this cross story, it is the backwards, upside-down reminder of a, larked, of, a, of a life marked by the last being first and the first being last, where the loved are loved so they can love others, where those who are set free are set free so they can set others free, where the rich are poor and the poor are rich. It is this upside down, backwards reality. What does the Bible say? He says, how, how are you, you are earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts? How much more does your heavenly father know how to give? Well, but, but, but what happens is God gives you, he wants to give you gifts and, and spoil you and give you life abundant. But then he says, all right, I give you gifts so that you can serve others with those gifts. He says, I want to set you free from your past, from your sin, so that with your freedom you can choose to serve me. I want to give you life to the full, life abundant, so that you can take this new life set free. And what does he say? Take up your cross and follow me. Do you see what's happening there in the Garden of Gethsemane? As he was feeling apprehensive and overwhelmed and just through the experience of what he's about to go through, yet he still followed. 
like his followers were following him. See, Good Friday, this cross experience, it is this reminder and calling on our life that yes, our life is shaped by what happened on the cross, but it's also called to be shaped into what happened on the cross. That we are to live that same upside down, inverse, backwards reality that Jesus did, who though he was creator and sustainer of the world, yet he chose to serve. And yes, God wants to bless you and grace you and show you mercy, but you're to take this grace and mercy he shows you and forgive others with it. Because our lives are shaped into what happened on the cross. See, Jesus is in the business of calling people to follow him and then pushing them past their comfort zone. Where, where do we begin? As they followed, they were afraid. And as you begin to follow Jesus, he will push you past your comfort zone. He will ask you to do things that scare you. And so Good Friday is this reminder that our lives, as we follow Jesus, are to be lives pushed past our comfort zones. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time following Jesus scared you? Where God called you to do something, where, you know, the still small voice, the whisper of God's leading, whispered something into your heart, whispered something into your mind that pushed you well past what you were comfortable doing. When was the last time he called you to have a conversation with someone about faith who you've never had a conversation about faith before? When was the last time he, had a, he, he pushed you to serve in a way that you didn't feel comfortable serving or you didn't feel like you were gifted enough, but he was still calling you for it? When was the last time that you, he called you to have a difficult conversation that was marked by grace and truth, but just it was a hard, awkward one? You see, as you look back at the people who follow Jesus throughout the Gospels, he's constantly pushing them past where they're comfortable being, pushing them into a place that scares them. So I ask you again, when was the last time following Jesus scared you? And if following Jesus doesn't scare you, it begs the question, how closely are you following him? You know, my family and I, we feel really called to neighboring and loving our literal neighbors. It's just part of what our ethos is. It's what we want our kids to know about us. And we want, it's what we want our kids to, like, to think back on their childhood and, and, and one of the things we were faithful in. Do we love our, neighbor, our literal neighbors well? You know, the Bible says love your neighbor, and we want to do that literally. Well, that's terrifying. It's scary. Why? Because you live next to these people, right? Like, let's say you push past comfortable and you have, a, you, know, you have a conversation about things of faith or you, you know, you bring up, you know, any number of things or, you know, something happens in your neighbor's life. And you say, oh, can I pray for you? You know, I believe in prayer. Can I pray for you over that? That's terrifying stuff because you still have to live next to these people. But we still you know, we still dive into these things. We still have these conversations because it's something we feel like God is calling us to and the act of following Jesus sometimes will be scary. And so what is Jesus calling you to? What about how Jesus leads you, pushes you past your comfort zone? Because Good Friday is a reminder that our lives aren't just shaped by what happened on the cross 
but into what happened on the cross. And so here we are. It is Good Friday. It is this day where we acknowledge what Jesus did for you and I. It's this day where we get to experience freedom because of what happened on that Good Friday long ago. May you live a life that is marked by what happened on the cross. But may you also live a life that is shaped into what happened on the cross. Good Friday that challenge to both live in the freedom and grace that it is finished and as you follow, sometimes you will be afraid. It is the both and. Could any Friday ever be more beautiful? Let me pray. Jesus, I want to stop, start by just saying thank you. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for the way that you went through and you experienced what you didn't really want to the way that you experience the cross and experience the ridicule and experience those, stone, those, those metal spikes and experience that separation from your Father. Jesus, I, want, I just want to stop and say thank you. And in response to that, just that deep level of soul-level gratitude, I just want to say that, that my life is yours, that I want to live a life that is shaped by what happened on the cross and shaped into what happened on the cross. And may, may we be a community of people whose lives are so shaped by what happened on the cross that we, we change our neighborhoods and our homes and our places of business and our towns forever. You know, this Good Friday, it is this somber reminder of the sacrifice you made. But it's also this exciting and terrifying challenge to live that same way in our lives. May this Good Friday reminder not be just in this moment on this day, but maybe be carried over into the rest of our lives as well. In your beautiful, powerful Good Friday name, Jesus, amen.